Welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode. Jordan, hello. How are you? Hey, Jeannie. How's it going? Everything is great over here. I'm pretty excited about this interview. We've been trying to get this guy to get on board Um for, I don't know, a couple months now. It's and it's been really hard because this is one of the busiest people in Ridgewood. So <laughs> here we go again. We're interviewing another Ridgewood High School graduate who's returned home to serve in our community. So, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, our guest today is Mike Lembo. He was born and raised in Ridgewood, and that makes him a third generation resident of the village and his children fourth generation residents, which is so lovely. Um, for those of you who don't know, Mike is a committed village volunteer. He's part of the famous Dad's Night. And he's currently serving on the Ridgewood Board of Education for his second time as president. He is also a Ridgewood police officer who's been with the force since 2004. And interestingly, his first job after graduating from the University of Scranton, where he was also part of ROTC, was at Ridgewood High School. So this is pretty interesting now that he is uh, on the Board of Ed. Uh, Mike specializes in cybersecurity. He teaches at the Bergen County Police Academy, and he also gives presentations to students and parents about how to be safe on the internet from those who may be out to exploit them in a multitude of ways. So that's a very good thing. I'm glad you're here to do that. 10 years ago, Mike was one of the founders of the Chief Michael Feeney Jr. Police Academy, which was named after a beloved Ridgewood resident who passed away from Ewing sarcoma at 10 years old. The academy is wildly popular and it allows children the opportunity to learn about law enforcement. And I live near Vets Field and I can hear those cadets having a great time every summer. So that's a really beautiful thing. Um, Mike is also involved in many other volunteer and charitable pursuits. He's helped raise money for cancer patients with the No Shave November initiative. And he gives his time to other fun things that help raise funds and awareness for various worthy causes in our beautiful little town. So today we can chat a little bit about his work as a police officer, but we want to focus most of our time learning about the current issues at the Board of Ed. And so I want to quote Mike. I've heard him say this many times. He said, I genuinely think that an educated community is a better community, plain and simple. And I really like that. Don't you, Jordan? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I think um we gotta we gotta have a well educated community and that's what we're doing here, Jeannie. So uh yeah, that's our that's goal. Our, 
Yep, that's our belief here at Ridgewood Talks too. Uh, so before we get into this interview, uh, let me remind our listeners that the Board of Ed has monthly coffee and conversation events. So please plan on attending them. And the Board of Ed meetings, can you can show up in person or online. And you can get all the information on that, where and when. And you can find Mike's email address by going to the Ridgewood Public School website. So without further ado... Welcome, Mr. Lembo. Thanks oh, for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be here, and I'm I'm very happy that you tracked me down. So, I, I, with that intro, I feel like I I am busy, but I guess I'm much busier than I realize sometimes. But <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for coming on. And I do want to thank you guys at the Board of Ed for doing the hybrid meetings because I, you know, if you looked at my attendance before you did hybrid and after you did hybrid, you know, they're they're not really comparable. So. Uh, I really appreciate you guys um, doing that. I know a lot of my friends and constituents also appreciate it. And it's a... we're, we're not taking attendance, so don't worry. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but actually, what, one of the things you said too, you can on the website. There's also emails that you can sign up for, even as community members, and get on the email chains, and they'll blast out when there's meetings. We have a new section that will. It's it's kind of paraphrasing, but I'll show you exactly where in the meetings things are said and done. So. It, so people that can't even make the meetings can go back and watch too. We're trying, we're trying to make it more accessible for everybody. Well, it's That's fantastic. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's great. Yeah. Like Jeannie said, it really helps uh, keep the public a little bit more informed. And that actually kind of comes to one of our first questions that we have for you, yeah. because it has been a bit of a hectic time with the board of ed, especially with some of the uh, turnover that we've had with the superintendent and business administrator and so we wanted to know a little bit more, if you can share with us where you are with that uh, search and, you know, a little bit about why that has been so difficult to keep some of the professionals in those positions, in, in your opinion. So kind of a two-part question. Okay. I got you. You know, it's, it's unfortunate whenever uh, a superintendent either retires like uh, Dan did uh, three years ago, or then, you know, when... Uh, Tom Gorman uh, left us a year um, a year ago, you know, for a different job. That's it's never an easy thing. It's never uh, expected or 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 wanted. Um, you know, we always wish them the best. You know, we were we were actually lucky with uh, Dan being there for twelve years because we learned very quickly that the average superintendent's only about two or three years. So it was we were very lucky to have him as long as we did. Tom was great, and uh, we were lucky to have him as we did as well. And you know, Montville is very lucky to have him. That being said, we have a new superintendent. Uh, we did a search. We took a little bit longer on the search, just the way the um, the, the months kind of lined up, and we wanted to make sure that we definitely spread out as far as we could go. We did a national search. We had 48 applicants that were qualified. From that 48, we whittled it down to about 10. From that 10, we, we went down to five, interviewed them, spoke with them at great length, made that cut to the final three and I can't I can't tell you who they are but we we have identified a, a candidate and we're we're very close and we're hopeful that we can uh, share that with everybody hopefully at our next meeting which would be on the 27th it's kind of we're, we're very close so we have a, an outstanding candidate that they're very uh, highly qualified highly sought after um, and we're, we're very excited to get them so 
that's a huge thing we're very excited about. And that's been taking up a lot of my time, a lot of Saturdays, a lot of uh, weekdays. So my question is, who gets to interview these candidates? Is it do you divide and conquer or is it just a, a select group of the board members? How does that all work? Okay, so one of the core jobs of the Board of Education is hiring the, the superintendent. So we wanted to make sure this process was as transparent as possible, but also had as much input as possible as well. So I know it's, it's been a few months ago, but that we actually put out a survey to the community, talked amongst ourselves. We actually put a survey with our, um, our parents, even our students and uh, our faculty and amongst us and we kind of created like a profile of what would be our ideal candidate for Ridgewood. Of course, you know, we're Ridgewood. We, we have, a, we always set that bar a little bit higher. So we, we were pretty stringent on what we were looking for. All the candidates that made it, you know, even applied uh, were pretty, pretty uh, thorough. And then that final 10 that we whittled it down to were at the top of their games. I mean, any one of those 10 would have been an excellent choice, but one candidate just stood out in our multiple uh, conversations with them. It just it was just apparent that this is going to be the right fit for Ridgewood. Now, the the actual interviews themselves were the entire board. It was all five of us. And we had help from the search firm, which was um, Young Associates. You know, they gave us some sample questions. We actually came up with a lot of our own, whether it's ones that we've asked in the past. The second round was those questions that were important to us. Each uh, board member had a question, actually two questions, that were something that maybe that we felt that didn't get answered the last time or we kind of want to dive deeper into the candidate's background. You know, as you're aware, our, we have a very diverse board, which is great. Um, we have we have the same mission, but we have a lot of varying opinions or uh, varying, um, you know, ideologies and different things. So we kind of peppered each candidate with a whole bunch of different <laughs> different questions from all angles. And I got to say, the, the, especially the final three and that the other, the first round as well, they handled it very well. But we came out with all different questions. And we also, since we are elected officials, we, we know what the public's looking for. So we, we're asking questions that everyone else is asking. Things that people email us, talk to us about, we're asking them because we know that it's going to come up. We don't want any surprises. We don't want, we want a candidate that knows what, you know, they're going to get into. And, you know, this is a very awesome community. It's a very um, active community. And, you know, nobody here is really shy of uh, speaking up. So we want them to realize that that is a big thing. Um, to answer Jordan's other question about, you know, turnover, it's been unfortunate. You know, our last meeting last night, we had a, another retirement. It's always people that we went to high school with. And, you know, Ron Knott was was one of our high school uh, gym teachers. And I'm, I feel like a lot of our, our more seasoned educators are now coming up to retirement age. So we're, we are uh, losing a lot from retirement. But with that, we get a lot of uh, younger, energetic uh, educators. That's where our human resources uh, director, she you know, she retired, uh, you know, Dan retired and we wish them only but the best in their retirement. And we have new placements there. Uh, our business administrator right now, we're kind of in a, in a transition phase. So we have an interim uh, business administrator. We're really smack dab in the middle of uh, the budget. So it's a time where we have very, very, probably some of the best in the state that are coming in, trying to working out some of our issues with the budget while we're going to look for another business administrator with our um, our new superintendent. So we're, I feel like it's more that's just, it's turnover. It's not, there's nothing I would be really too, too concerned about. So when we're just, we just really want the best. It, it sounds like from what you're saying that it's actually kind of just the natural order of what's going on. And, and it's really not anything to um, 
to get excited about, or it's not unique to our area, but it's something that's happening, you know, in, in all education districts. Correct. And, you know, there have been times I've been nervous, of course, right? You know, you wait, you know, I get that phone call that, you know, when uh, Tom tells me that he's leaving, it, it got me nervous, right? Um, but it's, you know, people want, you know, change. And that's nothing really, I'm not too, too terribly concerned. We've seen though, with the natural turnover that you're saying is when we went into this process with choosing a superintendent, it's a, it's like, um, it's almost like a race. Our last time as well, you can see all the other towns that are looking for superintendents at the same time. So people are trying to get, uh, try and do interviews faster. They're like, you can't wait. You have to jump on it because these superintendents are interviewing for, you know, other positions as well. And it's just kind of that, you know, we're not, we're not the only town that's going through this is, is what my point is. So, so for all the kids who are listening, who are thinking about what career to go into, it sounds like being a superintendent is a high sought after, uh, you know, don't have to worry about getting employed after you graduate kind of job. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's a hard way to get to that spot, but once you're there, you're, you're sought after. And, and honestly, anybody that's listening, education is the way to go. I know it's, it's been a very tough, uh, you know, they keep making the, the requirements harder and harder to be licensed. But once you're, I wish I was an undergrad and, and got my teaching certificate right away. Because uh, now, you know, when we were, when we graduated, it was, it was very difficult. Now, you know, you can command a lot of, uh, a lot of being an educator now, which is great. I mean, that's, I'm glad that we're, we're giving a lot of respect uh, to our educators, which we should have been doing for, for so long. Yeah, for sure. So Mike, something that we've seen on social media and a little bit of talk that's um, you know been going around and it's hard to really put fact and fiction together. And so if you wouldn't mind just commenting and clearing the record about what the controversy around the business administration and uh, a large sum of money that was not known about, I think it's to the tune of 700,000. Is there anything that uh, you're comfortable commenting with regards to that? Okay. So I'm trying to remember what the exact exact number was but first i want to just come you know anybody that's concerned there's no um that we have seen anything that's you know stolen or uh, improperly done anything like that what was occurring there's supposed to be a, a certain level of expenditures the board is supposed to approve it and when we had the the audit there was a, a few expenditures that were over that amount and it's not that it was one large expenditure. It could have been, you know, as a, a line item over the course of, of the last year. And it's a little confusing just because our the way our calendar works, it's we're June to, uh, you know, June 30th, July 1st. And when we talk about the budget, I'm sorry, the, the audit, it's always last year. So we're talking about as of June 30th of 2022. So there was a few items that were just not presented to the board or, um, you know, were maybe in areas that we weren't really, I wouldn't say we weren't as aware, but just that there was questions and we're just looking into them. It's nothing that, you know, that was done. You know, we don't think that there was a $700,000 missing. And that's, that's something I want to be clear on that. We, that's not what it is. It's just that, you know, things were done maybe that not to our liking. So it sounds like this is a little bit more procedure or approval chain. And, Correct. Um, yes. You know, bureaucracy issues, not fraud and, you know, people running off with big bags of money, which may Correct. have been some people's depiction. Correct. And that's why we have an independent auditor that comes in and they came, they did our their presentation and we always have recommendations. And there was a few line items that were recommended there. 
And then actually our meeting last night, we made sure that we, you know, we have a plan. You have to have a plan in place as per, you know, the county. We put that plan in place to make sure that doesn't happen again. I, I think that's important to highlight, though, is, you know, it's not the Wild West, that there is an independent audit that goes on yeah. and that, you know, there is a strict process here and a discipline that you are following and the board follows. I think when people, you know, kind of get in the social media echo chamber, they get worried that, you know, there's th those things don't exist. So I think it's it's helpful for us to remind people that that there are those types of checks and balances. So Correct. And, it, and it's very easy to to lose track sometimes of the projects. You know, we'll talk about a project and then we'll prove it now. And then maybe it won't get started or done till next summer, but just because the way that construction contracts can be. So sometimes people may be like, wait a minute, did we approve this? But we go back into our minutes and we talk about it. We have a lot of checks and balances and ultimately, you know, the board is that ultimate checks and balance. Even with that, we make sure that we have the independent auditor that comes in every year just to make sure everything's okay. You know, I've been in town for 20 years and I can honestly say that I've never seen so much engagement from the public toward the Board of Education. And, you know, I have to say it, it comforts me um, that individuals and families are becoming more engaged in local politics. Yeah. Because that's really important. That's where we can make the biggest difference is when we engage at that level. But I do get concerned when I hear hostility at meetings. Naturally, elected members should be treated with respect. But do you think some of the trouble comes when our elected leaders don't reciprocate that respect? Or have you seen that? Okay, I understand. It Public comment is the uh, like the cornerstone of any democracy and in our our meetings and just what like the village council as well, you know, we, we welcome people to watch. We welcome the people to make comments. I do my best to answer everyone's emails. Someone took the time out to email me. I try to answer them back or try and forward them to the right places. One of the things that, that I've actually learned, and now I started, you know, I started the process with the school boards before I even had children. I was always interested in the schools. I was watching meetings. I felt, I found them fascinating and then when I start have kids, obviously now I have a even bigger stake in the game. You know, I'm, I'm really paying more attention because it's affecting my children. But I kept watching, but I really didn't understand the the dynamic between the public and the school board at meetings and talking. And I even remember when I was running, I wasn't on the board yet, but I would attend meetings in person. And someone said, hey, you never speak at these meetings. I'm like, why? You know, I, I really don't. There's. You know, I you know email or but I'm like I'm not here to 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 speak all the time, and I learned and I just actually in the, the fall we, I went down to school boards in Lang City and went to an actual class it was about public comment, and I'm constantly just learning about the dynamic between the public and the board, and the biggest thing that I learned very early on and I, it's a very hard pill to swallow as someone that hasn't sat where we are, is that the public is watching our meeting. They're not really there to be a part of the meeting they're there to watch it and a very difficult thing and and i try as hard as i can not to allow it and sometimes it slips into it but i do my best to make sure as i'm the president to not allow is we're not really allowed to converse it's not a question and answer period and that's a very difficult thing and i completely understand that a parent or a community member that just you know really has something they're passionate about they only get four minutes to talk about that comment and we're just kind of staring at them blankly. And I, I, I really feel, 
I feel bad. I, and I, I try, that's why when I get the emails, I try right back and I try to get, let everyone voices be heard and we are listening. And I really try also to treat each speaker the same. I don't want to, to the person that's telling me how great I am to be like, Oh, great. Thank you so much for being here. And then someone's yelling at me to say, up oh, your time's up, get out. You know, every speaker has a right to be there. So we try, you know, I'm trying so hard. Yeah. With that, I want to help the listeners understand why can't you, and also this is true for the village council members, when people go up for public comment, you are not allowed to address them. And can you help us understand why you can't address them at a meeting? So it's, it's part of, it's actually, I think it's law, but it's part of the policy that we're not allowed to engage on the front page of every agenda, there's, you know, the simple rules you can't spill out legal information. You can't publicly attack somebody. You have to have, you know, no obscenities, no threats, which are, you know, obvious. It is difficult. And I understand that we can't answer how that being said, and we try our best after the public comment portion's over, if something's come up and, and most times, I mean, to be honest, we know what the hot topic is. So we try to bring it up in our discussion period, but we'll discuss it. But hey, what about that? You know, let's make sure we look into that that issue that was brought up because we do want to listen and to, to engage besides it being our, you know, the law and we can't, it's also a good practice because if every person that got up and we did a dialogue with, these meetings would be hours. And we understand that too. We have business that we have to get done. And it's it's that fine line because I truly believe that everybody needs to have their voice heard. Um, you know, some some towns are like, oh, you can cut your public comment portion. They don't need uh, they don't need the four minutes. They give them one minute, give them two minutes or make it. There's different things that other towns um, can do. And we can, but we don't because we want everybody to have their own voice. We're not going to try to let everybody get it out. Most people I recognize are not public speakers, uh, so they're not right at the four minute mark. Maybe they're rambling a little bit. We let them go a little bit, we, but we need to move on. Um, but you mentioned true. something about them coming up and, you know, really stating their passion. And so that yeah. sort of segues into my question for you. Actually, this came from one of our listeners. What is your passion? What are you the most passionate about when it comes to the Ridgewood public school system? And what issues are you the most eager to address? So that's, that is a great question because it's something that when I ran, my background with the cybersecurity, with my law enforcement background is protecting kids. I have a strong feeling I want our kids to be protected um, physically, but also mentally. So their social, emotional you know, health, especially after COVID, and then their physical health are paramount to me. And I said, you know what? I have a strong background in education. I really enjoy this, uh, you know, this stuff. I have some administrative work. I know government, but you know what? I have a little piece that most people don't have. So I want, I wanted to, to do that. And I get elected and of course COVID hits us. So my first, my first year and a half was solely focused on just getting our children back to school and, but back to school safely. Um, but now that we've stabilized, you know, we're looking at different ways that we can make our kids safe in school uh, and educators, everybody in our school buildings, you know, parents too, when they're, you know, they're coming to visit that not only are they safe physically, cause you know, there's things that we can always do to make sure that the buildings are secure and our children are safe, but also mentally. And that's, you know, even more so now, I thought, I thought it was an issue that we need to look at back in, you know, early 2020, but now in 2023, it's something that is even more on the forefront. So, you know, I'm really glad that we were able to, you know, I pushed for the uh, 
the extra guidance counselor. So every elementary school now has a guidance counselor, not just, they're not being shared. Um, we know we, that program was working great and we have so many, and we can always use more, but we, we had so many uh, resources for our older students, but we really were forgetting, you know, we, it was almost like an upside down pyramid. So we felt that if the more resources we gave to our younger students, the better they'll go when they, when they, as they work up, you know, through the ranks, it is definitely a, a different world than, than when uh, all of us went to school and these kids have so many uh, pressures and they have so many um, things that they have to live up to. They have, whether it's social media, uh, whether it's just their social networks, uh, you know, outside of school, sports, arts, everything, and just, just to, you know, to claw their way up to the top. And they have to realize that, you know, be a kid, be a kid. And that's, that's a huge passion of mine that I want kids to realize that they can be a kid. <laughs> they can have fun. They can learn. And they're getting the best education in the world right now. Thank you. That's great. The other hot topic that the town has been talking about for at least 10 years is the alternate start times. I want to understand why this board was the one that supported the initiative and what this is going to look like for Ridgewood Public Schools, as well as the community at large. I want to know how our rush hour traffic will be affected, our sports and extracurricular activities and things like that. How are you planning to address those things? And um, should it be a concern for those of us who are just trying to get through town at a certain hour of the day or certain hours of the day? Yeah, uh, we did it. Um, And actually, I'm glad because we were actually supposed to have this podcast, I think, right before we were were going to vote on that. So I'm glad that we're after so we can talk about it a little more. Um, And you're right. It's been, I mean, well over 10 years. I think it's been almost 12 years, they're saying now. We got to a point, I want to say it was 21 when I started the, the task force. I was the president of the time, so we need to we need to start really looking at this, and we need to get everybody involved. Uh, with Dr. Gorman, we started this task force. It's still on the website; you can look it up. And we we took community members, um, students, educators, uh, and there was two board members uh, assigned, and they kind of looked at different aspects, whether it was the curriculum, it was the buildings, and it was community involvement. And we also had a presentation to the town if you remember that was back in uh december of uh 21 and it didn't really go over that well because there was a lot of lot of stuff going on there and over the years if anyone's been following that long uh through this process there's been presentations given to the board it's been looked at and it you know kind of went up and, and down up and down the thing is nobody will dispute the fact that our kids' safety is important, right? I mean, that's the most important thing. And the the studies, the science shows that the students, uh, especially at the older grades at the high school, by them sleeping a little bit later, you know, it's going to be more healthy for them. School districts are starting to go that way. California passed the state law that I think it's in two years or next year, they're going to all be at 830. New Jersey has a bill that has not been signed into law, but that is being proposed for the entire state, all public schools. And now there are three, there's now three, we're not the first, but there are three uh, towns in New Jersey that have gone to a later start. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, we keep talking about it and it's time to let's either try it or move on. It was consuming a lot of time. It was consuming a lot of uncertainty and 
We had a lot of involvement. We spent a lot of time and money just trying to figure out what to do. The best proposal, and I, I agreed with it, was let's get, let's start with the high school. High school is the most affected, um, you know, group of kids. Once you start adding the the change with the elementary school, then you start dealing with parents with their their, their traffic schedule. It, it just got too big. So we came up with a really great plan for the high school. Now, this is where it gets a little interesting because for us, for the school board, we're not here to dictate the day. We're not dictating what's being taught. We're not dictating, you know, block schedule and hours and, and, and this, to be perfectly honest with you. That is up to our educators, our administration, and we have the best at our looking at that. What really is for us is we said, hey, this is great. We support it. And that's what we did. We want to let our educators know that we support them. We're very lucky that we have a great relationship with, you know, the teachers association, the principal of the high school and the administration, the core team of, you know, with our director of curriculum, special education, all of that. We all got together and we said, listen, can we do this? I wanted to make sure that we gave them enough time that, you know, now, um, you know, uh, Jeff Nias at a uh, high school has enough time to start dealing with his staff to make that day. Cause you can't, you can't tell the teachers in May, June that, Hey, your whole school day is going to be different. It's all going to be changed. That's not fair to them. It's not fair to the students. So we wanted to give them as enough time. So we're able to do it um, a little later than one, but it's beginning of February, but we gave them enough time. Uh, so everybody can be paired, the, the community, the parents, everybody, and we asked, you know, Jeff, as soon as he knows kind of what's going on to come back to a board meeting, let us know, and in turn, let the public know kind of what, how the day is going to go. One of the things that we wanted to make sure was all the questions needed to be answered. And I'll be the first one to say that not all the questions are answered. Not everybody's going to be happy, of course. Um, and there's definitely some things that we don't know, that there's definitely some uncertainties. The biggest one is transportation. We don't know the transportation costs until we ask what the transportation costs are. So we have to go forward with that. We have money set aside in our budget. Um, but that being said, we've talked to our bus companies and it it's not a significant uh, jump. So we're going from, you know, we're start, the school day is now going to be starting at 8.20 in the morning. So it's a half hour move. It's not a hour move. It's not a flip flop, you know, so it's, it's not as significant as, um, you know, let's say ending the day at, at four o'clock or, or, or something totally out there. So it should not be as significant as, as we're thinking. But of course, you know, we have gas prices increasing. My truck, every time I fill it up, I, I cry a little bit. Um, but we have to find that out. That's going to be a cost. But I don't think it's going to be as big as everyone thinks. Another one that was probably the first thing that everyone said was sports. What about sports? Sports this, sports that. Keith Cook, our athletic director, got together with the coaches. And the end of the day is not being pushed as far as, as, as we realize. It's 15 minutes. So if the student needs to leave early, they're missing the end of the school day anyway. And that's usually only because of uh, you know county championships or whatnot. But our our sports practices are going to be more efficient. They're going to be more, uh, you know, focused on building. So we don't, we're not as concerned with students losing practice time and the, the scheduling of uh, sporting events doesn't look like it's going to be any, any uh, adverse effects. And another thing I'm actually glad you actually brought it up is traffic. So we don't know, right. We, cause we haven't done it yet. That being said, we kind of done it before 
each about twice a month, we have these enrichment days for our students now where the students skip that first period and come in, they kind of sleep in late. Unfortunately for the students, those days are going to go away, but it's going to balance out. But during those days, we have seen a, a decrease in traffic. And the, one of the issues that we currently have is with the start time for our educators and the start time for the students, there's only a five minute window. So the, so the real reality, there's no window, right? Um, so everybody's trying to get into that parking lot, go down here, Matt's get into the parking lot. And I live over the side. If you go on Ridgewood Ave at that time of day, around 7.30 to about eight o'clock, it, it's a nightmare. With the new, the new start time, the teachers are starting just about the same time with the students starting you know, uh, 20 minutes later. So there's going to be a bigger gap between the students arriving and the, uh, uh, the teachers. So I'm hoping that that's actually going to help with, uh, with the dissipation of, of the traffic. So it should. It can't, it can't be any worse than it is now when everybody has to be at school at the same time. I don't know if you know, but I worked with the Ridgewood Police Department for many years on the Safe Routes to School initiative. Yep. And part of that is to just encourage kids, if they can walk to school, to do so. Because first of all, it's better for their learning ability. It's better for the environment. It's better for socializing, honestly. And it's actually... Yeah really better for the whole community. So I wonder if there's something that can be implemented in that way. And I understand that not every student can walk to school, but there are times where parents, if they're going to be dropping them off, maybe you don't have to drop them off right at the front door. Maybe you can drop them off even a block away and those kids can walk to school. Again, it's so important for their social and emotional and academic health um, to let them have a nice brisk walk early in the morning and then in the afternoon to de-stress while they're on foot. I would really hope that could be part of the conversation at some point too. I, I actually agree with you wholeheartedly there. I mean, I know we try in May for a bike to school month and I think that the kids getting out now is nice and warm. They should get out. And that's, that's a big thing with kids need to, you know, walk to school and you're right. You know, you worked very hard with getting that safe route. So, you know, it's a beautiful day. Walk to school for people that are worried about traffic. I'm hoping that's going to slow down, but definitely we're always open for kids to, to be able to walk to school or ride their bicycles. We have some last minute questions for you. Sure. Uh, first of all, becoming a board of education member, what are some of the things that you were the most surprised about when you got on board? The, the level of commitment that the board has. And you know, it, one of the things I was not surprised about was the level of commitment that our educators have. So I know the, the board themselves, they give... I mean, each one, each board member and the boards before us, I can tell you, this is the hardest. This, I always tell everybody, it's my, uh, my full-time volunteer job. Um, it's a very, very labor intensive. It's a labor of love. And each board member puts a lot into it. Um, but it's great. I mean, I haven't really been too, too surprised besides, you know, obviously the level of commitment. But I love it. And I just and, want to pause there sure. again and just um, yeah. take this opportunity to thank all of our board of ed members, because you get zero dollars in a stipend. So everything that our elected members of the board 
do, like you said, is a labor of love. And that cannot be discounted. Whether you appreciate the way they're doing the job or not, they are pouring hours and hours of their time and heart into this job. So um, thank you to you and all the other people who serve on the Board of Education. Thank you. Thank you. And there's a lot of volunteers in town like yourselves that do a lot for this town. And we recognize that. But there's it's a lot. It's a lot having these mandatory, you know, we, we are, you know, we're uh, sometimes a glutton for punishment. But like I said, I love hearing from every voice. I remember um, board members told me when I first got elected, the outgoing board that said, you know, you know, you have your friends, you have your small circle, you know, obviously, but you listen to everybody. And I, one of my favorite things about this journey is that I've met people that I probably never would have met without this. And I really enjoy listening to different viewpoints, trying to bring everybody together. And obviously at the end of the day, it's for our kids. Cause I, like you said earlier, you know, our uh, educated community is a, is a very strong community. And, you know, I have people like myself and Jordan that come back, you know, and, and now you're seeing a lot of people, you know, raising their kids, they, they go off, they do great things and then they're coming back. And this is still a great place to be. That's why I'm raising my kids here. So with that, I want to say thank you so much for being on our show. Godspeed to you and all the other members on the Board of Ed. Thank you again. No, Thanks thank so you much for all your hard work, Michael. Thank you. And if you ever need anything, you email me, call me. You, you know how to find me. All righty. Thanks <laughs> so much. Appreciate Take it. care, everybody. Bye. Bye.